Hello, hello, everybody. This is No Chick Click Moments, and I am your co-host, Remy. And I am your other co-host, B. And this is our Supernatural Watchcast. We are going through Season 14, as you probably well know, because we are on Season 14, Episode 16, Don't Go Into the Woods. This episode. Remy, why do you say it like that? What do you mean, this episode? Let's not dwell on it in this moment. We'll get into it later. But who's the director? Who's the writer? Tell me all the deets. Uh, This episode was written by Davey Perez and Nick Vaught. And it was directed by uh, John Fitzpatrick. I'm not familiar with two thirds of those names. Yeah, yeah. I I almost looked up John Fitzpatrick because it it kind of was ring a ding in a bell in my head. But um, so last week we had um Yaki and Megan. It was Yaki, right? Yes. Yeah. As a writing team for Peace of Mind, and you know the name Megan was unfamiliar, and a little bit of uh, searching around on the Super Wiki said that you know Megan was a new writer for the show. Um, and here we have a similar situation where we have Davy Perez, and he uh, tag teamed with Nick Vaught on this episode, and this is also Nick's first like tagline writer mm-hmm. bringing these new writers in under the wings mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so the description for this episode reads sam and dean are baffled when they come up against a monster they have never heard of before jack does his best to impress a new group of friends and to wonderful effect we yeah. shall see <laughs> Uh, yeah. He really pulls out all the stops in this impressing thing. He's like, can we get the cops to come? How about the ambulance? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. So, but on that group of friends, we, we don't typically touch on the, uh, the recap, but the recap for this episode is uh, jam-packed with all these scenes of the Lebanon teens that we saw that we were introduced to in the episode Lebanon, episode 300, uh, Elliot, Stacy, and Max. So this new group of friends, I'm like, oh, I have a hunch. Just an inkling. And also in this recap, we got a lovely uh <laughs> we got to re-see relive the uh hunter hub yeah extermination too maybe? soon too soon i know we're two episodes out technically but too soon yeah sorry i just saw maggie and i'm like no maggie it wasn't all a dream. I'm still like it, it was a. It was all just one horrible nightmare. They're all just out on different cases at the same time, and they will be out on separate cases for the foreseeable <laughs> future. Oh my god! So diving into this episode, we open up in a, a dark forest. We hear these forest noises, and we're on a a a a. a uh, a sign oh my god i'm doing poorly you do it <laughs> <laughs> well we open up on a sign like you're saying that states big crete state park and we're told that this is in polk city iowa yes there is a car parked outside of this bathroom and there is a couple that is kissing inside the vehicle and she's a little bit skittish because she keeps hearing a noise outside and it seems like whistling. But the guy here just is saying, no, it's the wind. 
I'm like, typical, typical. <laughs> typical guy. I see where your hand is going, okay? One track <laughs> fucking mind. No, um, baby, I promise. It's just the wind. <laughs> I am totally expecting, like, a, a hook hand moment. Yes, car hook hand door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but this this whistling is happening. We hear it kind of in the distance. And, I, I, I mean... Uh, Creepy whistling is creepy, is what my note says because it's it's mm-hmm. eerie. We are we're setting a tone here. Yeah, I was getting later in this episode, I was getting like Hunger Games vibes from the whistling there, and I'm like, oh no, that's not good when you feel like something's hunting you out uh-huh. in the woods. And yeah, so this girl, she is still not convinced by what he's saying. And so he gets out of the vehicle to go check it out. But before he even steps out, his dad's hand is already on the car door and he's got a (laughs) flashlight shining in. And we see that his dad is actually a sheriff, Sheriff Mason. And the son here is Thomas, Tom for short. And he is not happy to see his dad, to say the least. Yeah, they're having a little domestic there where Tom and, uh, oh shit, what's his name? (laughs) Last name is Mason. Okay, where Tom and Sheriff Mason are arguing, like, what are you even doing out of here? It's none of your business, Dad. You're supposed to be with your mom. Mom's out of town. It's not your weekend. (laughs) Yeah. And the girlfriend. Bunch of nuggets of the family tension going on here. Like, we know the parents are separated, and it feels like the dad's being overbearing. And it's like you say, the girlfriend here, Barbara, is like, Uh Who this is a family domestic I don't want to be a part of. Uh-huh, uh-huh. She kind of sides, she kind of sidles around them, and she starts heading towards that outhouse, the, the that bathroom building, and and the sheriff turns around, and he shines his flashlight. He's like, where do you think you're going? And she's like, I'm going to the bathroom. You guys need just, like, talk it out. And so she goes to the bathroom. The bathroom is disgusting. It's the grossest <laughs> But also very state part appropriate. (laughs) I've never seen one that bad, though. Like, I've I've done some camping down in the States, and I'm judging completely based off states because I'm like, America, this is on you, Iowa. (laughs) And it it doesn't even look like grungy would satisfy the description of what's going on here. It's like the bacteria has become these layers of caked gross on uh, i'm just like i i wonder i wonder for like scene setting did they i because honestly i would not be surprised if they just found this bathroom and they were like oh this is gross we gotta use this (laughs) but or did they like yeah fucking mud splatter the walls and and then hose it down to get it real drippy looking. I I do like the idea of them just finding this place and then the crew coming and be like nobody touch anything. <laughs> we are leaving this asses. Uh that that's basically what Barbara's thinking right now, right? She she's like inching into this restroom and she I she doesn't actually do it, but I'm like if I was if I was her, I'd be elbow nudging open those doors because I did not I would not touch a single thing. Oh no. Suddenly I would become incredibly dexterous with my feet. Like I would be <laughs> able to open door handles. I like the toilet paper would be coating that seat. I would look like a tiny T-Rex moving around <laughs> in this place. Exactly. Barbara opens up the first stall and and we don't see the stall, but we're on Barbara and her face. She, you know, it's that universal experience. We've all opened up a restroom door, public restroom door to an unpleasant surprise. And she was like, yeah. Oh, 
And she moves on to the next stall. Yeah, and considering we get to see the last stall that she actually goes into, and it's still not a great scene, you're like, I can only imagine how bad that first one was. Uh Uh-huh. She opens the next stall, and she looks at it, and it's practically, like, staring back at her, just daring her to, like, yeah, sit on me. Sit on me. You know you want to. No, she's like, "Mm, okay. I can't. I can't. Anyways, she she goes into the stall, she closes the door, and then bad things happen. <laughs> yes, the lights are flickering, and we hear that whistle coming again, and then within the bathroom here, there's some rustling noises and a shadow, these thumping steps coming towards the stall, and then this claw, this grotesque hand uh-huh. that's reaching over the top of it, and it's time to scream. Yeah. And Sheriff Mason busts in and he takes a look around, but only her purse is in that final stall. And the screams are already outside in the woods. And so he runs outside. He's calling for her. Tom is also in a panic. And the sheriff is running after the direction that it appears to be in, but he trips in pursuit. Yeah. And uh, he looks up and it's Bigfoot. Basically. Green Bigfoot. I didn't even... Could you see that it was a green kind of creature of the Black Lagoon kind of thing? I just I just thought it was this big kind of hulking creature that had... I don't know. It, look, it looked gnarly. It felt like very thick dryad type thing that was going on uh-huh. there. He sees it and it just keeps walking into yeah. the woods. Yeah. And then behind he can hear Thomas... And so he backtracks to his son and finds him kneeling beside Barbara's body and her throat is clawed open and it she's dead. Yeah. Yeah. So there's our opening. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. We get the supernatural c- title card and then the bunker. Yes. We carry over. There's Sam in the kitchen and he's on his laptop and Dean enters with a morning sunshine <laughs> and immediately starts teasing him saying that he must be looking at porn. Yeah. So what so what is it this morning, Sammy? Porn, nip slips, sex tapes, and Sam just uh, he turns to Dean, he says, "The internet is not only naked people." And- yeah. There's more than naked people out there and Dean's like, "Well, not on my internet." Yeah, yeah, not my internet. But yeah, again, we could talk on the subtext show, but on this <laughs> show, Sam, he has brought up this article from Polk City, and it is about this animal attack victim, but he's looked into it, and there's been a lot of people that have gone missing in the area. Since 1943, he counted 50 plus people that have no answers about what's really going on. I didn't catch that. I didn't catch that number when I was watching 50 plus. Yeah. In the last, and like, I tried to do the math, but I'm like, as soon as I hit nine. 90s, I'm like, everything afterwards stops, right? I was like, 60 <laughs> years ago. And I'm like, no, it's like, I still can't do the math. <laughs> you said Close 49. To 80, 75 years. Uh huh. So in the past 75 years, there's been like 50 some victims. Uh huh. Just that Sam counted it in the morning. Yeah. And so, okay, we got a case. Dean is confirming, like, Sam, are you sure you're good for it? Sam's like, nope, I'm ready to be back on the case, considering the way things were going for him when we saw last week. Yeah, uh, Dean says, you said you wanted to take some time. And Sam says, no, this this feels good. We should should go. Dean says, okay. And Sam says, okay, I'll go get Cass. And Dean says, "Uh, no, he's, he's gone. Yeah. 
he left early this morning, and Sam asks why, and uh, Dean says, well, he wanted to get out of the bunker for a while. He said he was feeling cooped up. Yeah. And, oh, I want to pause here because this is a good character moment. It's a good character moment. We have mm-hmm. Dean sitting down with his morning coffee, and he's checking in with Sam, which is nice. And Sam is, you know, he's not, he, he doesn't have that kind of like manic go, go, go that we saw last week for sure. I mean, uh, peace of mind, the opening there was was uh, Dean and Cass talking in the kitchen and saying, you know, we just bit, we just did three hunts back to back and we got Dean home. basically begging for a yeah. chance to have some respite and Sam being like, cool story, I don't care. And then continuing on his way yeah yeah so we definitely you know we don't get that urgency from sam here which is you know we believe him when he says no i feel i feel better and and then on this Cass and dean thing we get a little nod to our characters like we we don't just Cass is gone and we're ignoring it yeah they don't just disappear with no explanation you know they're not on the screen so who cares we we get you know a little bit of insight Cass left because he was feeling a little cooped up and dean is like totally okay with that he doesn't feel that there was any ulterior motive in it or he didn't seem suspicious or he doesn't say yeah he just seemed a little cagey no he just says he left and you know he needed to stretch his legs and yeah we're seeing dean kind of relaxing those reins that he has as soon as anyone that is his family gets out of reach he usually gets a little bit panicked and it's like keep him close keep him safe yeah but we're seeing this moment of like no no he's gone and it's fine because there's again this unspoken trust that is happening there and speaking of like character moments here i do also think that dean I mean, we could take it as Dean being such a, a, a bro's bro being like, hey, are you looking at porn at like uh-huh. seven in the morning? But I really think that it was just him basically looking to get a rise out of his brother. Like, this is something that Sam will definitely roll his eyes at Dean saying, ergo, Dean's going to do it just to kind of test the waters to see how Sam is doing. You know, I didn't really like the line because it made me roll my eyes. It, it reminded me of old supernatural humor. Yes, you know? I will agree. It was like super throwback. This whole episode is super throwback. This whole I episode. I was going to say, it feels very season one Wendigo. Yeah, yeah it, it feels very season one Wendigo because the monster is literally a Wendigo. I'm going to have a little something to say I, about that. I'm, but, yeah, I'm going to be sitting there with you and be like, do you have some tea, Remy? Let's, let's go. <laughs> But anyways, um, yeah, this whole episode, it it feels very season one. Like, we're trying to throw back to that. Like, uh, I think they did hit the creepy, dark and gritty monster of the week kind of thing. But I did did roll my eyes at this line. So I'm glad that you didn't see it as just a flat Dean one-liner. You saw it Well, I did, but I'm like... Hi, writers. I'm going to sit with you and I'm going to explain to myself why I'm not going to be upset about this. (laughs) So, yeah, he was just trying to get a rise out of Sam and he got a response. So, good. (laughs) Yeah. But at at any rate, we have settled Cass's out at the moment and it's fine. And so Sam goes, well, how about Jack? He can come with. But Dean doesn't want Jack on it. 
And so they have a little back and forth about, well, Donatello gave the clear on Jack, but Jack's powers have gotten them in trouble before. And so essentially Dean just wants to be sure that Jack is all right before taking him on hunts again. Yep. And Sam, you know, seems kind of like, well, okay, but he does agree. And we cut to Jack in the war room, or is it the library? But he's sitting in a chair in the library and he's got this big book open and Dean and Sam walk in and, and <laughs> Dean does a little like, oh, good read. And Jack, because of course that sarcasm just goes, whoop. straight over his head he's like yes actually did you know and he starts talking about zombies yeah the haitian criminal code is what he's reading right now oh yeah and and he says and he says did you know that the haitian criminal code makes it actually illegal like within (laughs) real world law to turn a human into a zombie and they're like cool and (laughs) dean just gives eyes though like it's not even like Cool. It was just like, what the fuck is this kid on? Like, <laughs> I I like that Jack seems to like have a favorite in his zombie. He always goes to zombies, and I'm like, oh yeah. He's just... <laughs> so Sam, he's like, look, Jack. He starts him with a serious face, and Dean cuts him off. He says, we're going on a hunt, and you you are not coming, but just because we we don't want to leave the bunker empty. And and Sam was trying to tell Jack why you know i guess like because they're concerned about his powers but like i said dean cut him off and he says no we just don't want to leave the bunker empty we we want someone on the phones in case one of the other hunters or uh mom needs some help out there uh so again we also get this little mary you know we brought mary Mm -hmm. in we don't just forget about our world when it's just the sam and dean show uh but uh Jack's kind of like, okay. And then Dean says, here. And he hands Jack a shopping list. And he says, yeah, we need- here's a quest for you. Yeah, yeah. Your mission, should you choose to accept it. And Jack takes the list and he's like, my mission is shopping? And he says, <laughs> and Dean's like, yeah, we need a restock. Yeah. So he's already thinking of ways that it's like, well, if Jack's going to be here, we'll at least try to appease him by making him feel like he's useful. (laughs) Beer, TP, eggs, beer again. And Dean's like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Jack says, okay, okay, bye. (laughs) Have fun. (laughs) Yeah. So that's the note that we leave them on. Mm -hmm. Sam's feeling a little like, okay, why would we lie to him? Dean full-on barreling down that lie and Jack kind of being none the wiser and not I wouldn't even say that he's upset that he's not getting to go along I think that this supply run kind of does help distract him from that Uh uh-huh but we go to the next scene and so Sheriff Mason we now have him with Sam and Dean they discussing the park um, that there's some hikers that don't like to stick to the trail ergo coyotes get to them and all that kind of stuff Uh uh-huh it's it's the flimsiest fucking cover story, let me tell you what. We're getting like a real dodgy vibe from this hunt this sheriff and I'm like, yes. why? But <laughs> but yeah, Sam says, but this girl, she wasn't hiking. Did no. You, did you see what happened? And and the sheriff pretty much shuts down. He's like, it was a coyote. Yeah, it doesn't matter how much they press about this, he's sticking to the coyote story. Yeah. Now Sam and Dean ask if they can go see her body, and Mason's kind of like, well, I don't have a choice, do I? And nope, you sure don't, because we jump right over there. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sam is pulling out the drawer uh, in the morgue, and uh, as he's pulling out the drawer that this body is in, her arm kind of slides off the the slab, and it brushes Dean, and he gives, like, the cutest little motherfucker. But... (laughs) Yeah, this little skedaddle. Uh, He's startled. He's... Or grossed out. I couldn't quite tell, but I kept thinking of your actual cat, Dean, because even he says, like, my cat, like, <laughs> reflexes. What can I say? Actual cat, Dean Winchester. And D- uh, Sam looks at him, like, and he says, Really, Dean? How long have you been doing this? Like, find your chill. And yeah, <laughs> reflexes like a cat. I don't, I don't know what that quote is from, but fuck. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> You know who I'm picturing in my head and someone can prove me wrong or, or can tell me how absolutely wrong I am. But I'm picturing um, James Franco in like Pineapple Express. But I don't think <laughs> I don't think he did that. But anyways, I digress. <laughs> okay, so Barbara's body is here and they're looking at her arms and this bite wound around her neck. And they're like, well, this is not a coyote. And not only that, but this bite mark almost looks like it's burnt. And mm-hmm. so they're both at a loss of what kind of creature could do something like this. Yep, yep. And we cut to Jack out on the town. Yeah. I like it when we put Jack in the sunshine. He just looks so, he just looks so happy. <laughs> He, yeah, he's gone off to the Lebanon Mini Mart and he's looking to complete his quest. But when he gets to the door, he sees a sign saying out to lunch and he kind of checks his watch and he's a bit not certain what he should do. Yeah, yeah. And as he's uh, loitering, uh, we see a car pull up around the corner and emerges Elliot, Stacy, and Max. Yes, they have takeout with them, and Elliot is watching on his phone a video of the Ghost Facers. We hear their opening song play. Ugh. As the car is like pulling up, we hear the ghost facers and i literally just cheered because it's been so many years since we even heard mention of the ghost facers i was was gonna ask you when was the last time that they really came up the really shitty slenderman episode in like season nine or something (laughs) okay yeah i'm not there yet Uh uh-huh uh-huh um it's been a while you know what now that i mention it the slenderman episode I don't think that I even watched that episode. <gasps> I think I think it's one of like the two episodes in the entire series I haven't watched or I <gasps> I only watched like really reluctantly. No, you know what? I think I I remember this. I got 15 minutes into that episode and I turned it off. <gasps> so <laughs> I need to speed run and clip through that episode and then take my 15 minutes of, oh, Remy, you haven't watched this one yet? (gasps) How could you? And then just like briefly bask in the feeling you must get every time something happens in those like seven seasons I haven't watched. Uh It's, It's less now. Only five seasons I haven't seen yet. Uh huh. Uh huh. You know, five seasons is 120 episodes. Hush. Yeah, good fucking- You're making that up. I'm- I rounded. You slightly exaggerated to make me feel bad, but it's not working. I finished season seven this weekend, and you should be proud of me. 
I should watch that. I should watch Ghostface. I mean, I should watch the Slenderman episode. Mm-mm, not until I get to it. Because I, I even had Slenderman thoughts about this episode. And, and I now realize that, like, the entirety of my absorption from the Slenderman episode is, like, entirely through Tumblr and fic. So <laughs> I, should, <laughs> I should go watch that. Uh, Damn it. Anyways. So Elliot is watching ghost faces on his phone and we even see, we even get to see Harry and Ed because I like, I thought we were just like running some old footage, like just a, just a little nod to the ghost facers, but no, we actually see Elliot's phone and it's like, you know, Harry and uh, Ed uh, ghost facers signing off. The Winchester still suck though. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, we have got to bring. I'm so excited because we are absolutely 100% definitely going to be bringing in Harry and Ed again in season 15. I can't wait. You're making this prediction right now? I'm, I'm calling. Oh, well, duh. There's no way. I would, I would owe everyone in the fandom a half a cent. Don't. There's a I lot of. <laughs> well, that's why I was going to say a dollar, but then I. <laughs> I you realized like, oh, how bad a decision that was. Yeah, half a cent. I'll I'll gish wish. I'll I'll donate to charity. I should do that anyways. I'm Any- gonna hold you to this, Remy. <laughs> okay. Okay. When we when we have the Ghost Facers episode, I will uh a hundred dollars to a gish wish charity. But if if we don't have a Ghost Facers episode, then I'll do two hundred dollars. Woo! Look at you, Remy. Like, okay, anyways, anyways, still. Anyways. Anyways. And, <laughs> and what were we talking about? Oh, yeah. Well, Elliot's on his phone, and they can see up ahead. They go, hey, is that Bambi? And they kind of wave hi at Jack, and they're like, are you lost? And he's like, no, I'm here. <laughs> and they're like, oh, fuck, he's a weird kid. But Elliot is the one who's breaking the ice here and saying, you know, Jack, you live with Sam and Dean? But no, they're not here right now. So are they fighting ghosts? And that's all the ice that we need to break because Jack goes in. And it's such a cute little beat where he goes, what's a ghost? I should go. <laughs> like, just without missing a second. Just like, I, there's no way I won't crack under pressure here. Bye. I, oh my god, Alex killed these two scenes. The scene outside and then later inside the mini mart. He was so cute. Half of my mo- half of my notes just say baby. <laughs> I really love that. What's a ghost? I should go. And then he turns around. And Ellie is kind of like, wait. Yeah, Ma- Max stops him and is oh, like, yeah. no, we we already know. You don't yeah. have to worry about that. And Jack saying that he doesn't like to lie because it feels like a false burp, basically. <laughs> he he says, I. I, again, I just, like, screamed at this line. He says, "Uh, good, good. I don't like to lie. It makes my stomach hurt. And I'm like, hashtag relatable. I love him. I love him. I love him. His his tummy hurts when he has to tell a falsehood. He's such a good bean. And I'm like, he's so relatable because he's just, like, that level of awkward where it's like, I don't know the social conventions (laughs) here, and so this is what I'm going with, which is, like, the most sincerity that I can give, and it's slightly awkward for everyone around them. And I'm like, oh, man, relatable. Yeah. Because they're all, after that, they're all just kind of, like, standing there on the the fucking sidewalk. And Stacy's like, so, uh, did you need something? And he says, 
I do, but the store is closed. And, and another kind of awkward beat. And then Stacy says, oh, okay, well, it's not anymore. And she takes off the key to the mini mart. And yeah, I- gives a little rattle. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. We, we now get a brief little scene where it's Thomas approaching his dad. And we can tell that Thomas is not okay because A, Barbara died, and B, he was right there when Barbara died. And he's not sure if he should talk to Barbara's parents. He feels like it's his fault, but his dad is saying that, no, no, like, you you just need time. They all need time. And he's really pressing for Thomas to not bother Barbara's parents in their grief. Which is, like, weird. This is a weird scene. I was like, why Why does Thomas want to talk to the parents so badly? Like, and why is this something that he can't do? I was like, those two prongs. I was like, why? Yeah, that's the takeaway from this scene where Tom comes in really kind of like adamant or in distress. He says, I have to talk to Barbara's parents. And then I, it's like, I wanted to read this scene as them like both in some sort of in the know and they're like talking around some issue because i mean sheriff mason especially is giving off those like eh, dodgy vibes but this whole conversation was a little weird i mean what we took away from it was tom wants to talk to the parents and he feels it's his fault but sheriff mason is very adamantly against him talking to the parents and he's saying no it's not your fault but yeah, but we, we don't like resolve that, especially knowing the rest of the episode. I'm like, why? why? And like the first time watching this, the them that Thomas was referring to wasn't fixed yet. And so I took it as the FBI. Like Thomas yeah. felt like he should go and talk to Sam and Dean and like give them more information. And yeah. his dad was like, no. And that made sense to me on a level. I'm like, okay, it still isn't like the greatest, but I would have got it of like, no, don't talk to the feds. But don't talk to your girlfriend's parents about their daughter dying is like such a weird line to draw. Yeah, yeah. uh, Well, anyways, um, back at Jack and the Mini Mart, we have another great scene when Mm -hmm. Jack is kind of browsing the aisles and we have Stacy and Max uh, behind the counter and they're kind of like, you know, gossiping about this, how, you know, how they kind of feel bad for Jack, you know? He doesn't seem to have any friends and he lives with three crazy old guys yeah just imagine what that place smells like was one of the things max brings up (laughs) Uh uh-huh uh-huh she says yeah just living with nothing but men it must smell like beer kleenex and old spice and both the audience (laughs) and stacy have a little giggle and Mm -hmm. and uh uh jack is a, a browsing the aisles and Elliot is puppy dogging along. He's like he's like, tell me more about the monsters. Yeah, he's chatting about ghost facers and also that he reads a lot and Jack uses that as a launching point to be like, oh yeah, I've been reading about zombies and oh, zombies are real and (laughs) Jack goes through the laundry list of monsters that are real and that he's seen and meanwhile this is going on, I'm like "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, okay, I see all of the Canadian food on the shelves here and I'm just staring at it. Oh my (laughs) god. I was like, I can see the President's Choice decadent chocolate cookies, which are very good by the way. They're not a soft cookie They're but they have like these big chunks of chocolate and they're very good. Are they your Chips Ahoy? No, they're President's Choice. 
I'm like giving the mic finger <laughs> right now. And President's <laughs> Choice is the brand at Canadian Superstore. And then they also have the no-name brand, which is also really good. Uh-huh. We call it the Walmart brand here, so. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, of course, I did not notice all the Canadian food on them. Yeah, and I was kind of trying to pay attention to whether or not they were covering up the fact that it said President's Choice on it, because I felt like that was very obvious. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you can't fool me. I know those cookies. They taste great. Oh, my God. The set dresser is dropping the ball there. It's just my Hawkeye. I was like, mm, cookies. I shop for this shit. <laughs> uh, Jack goes to check out, and then he starts kind of talking with all three of them. Uh, Max asks if he, if Jack ever just hangs out, and they invite him to uh, what is what is the old house that we saw um, in Lebanon? This place that they're talking about is the Stoke Place, which is an old farmhouse outside of town. I don't know if it is the same one that we saw in the Lebanon episode, but I mean... I think it is. It looked like it was. It was... I mean, well, if we were to go back to Lebanon, the pizza guy did say the name of the place, but I, I think I recognize the chair and the couch from, from... I feel like the living room to the dining room was also... We've seen that one before, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so Max invites him out to hang out and Jack says that he would, he would like that. Yeah. He's cautiously excited. Yeah. And a couple of key things that we can see in this conversation that go on. Um, Stacy almost berates Elliot for being so puppy dog after Jack, like uh-huh. being so obsessive for details about the monsters. And she apologizes on his behalf. And um, we find out that in the bunker, there are movie nights on Tuesdays and that Dean usually picks and that Jack has probably seen Lost Boys 36 times now. And I was like, Lost Boys? Lost Boys is a vampire movie. Do they watch it just to heckle? I haven't watched Lost Boys, but the only thing I know about it is it's like a sad gay favorite. So I'm like, again, (laughs) if this is the subtext show, I will tell you different things, but... We'll just leave it at that. Take from that what you will. And also the question of, do you ever hang out with someone your own age? Like, okay, like those movie nights don't count. It's still old dudes. And <laughs> he goes, well, I'm two. Auntie, I'm 20. Two. I'm, I'm 22. <laughs> like, he just is not convincing. God bless. But he delivers it so well. Alex, I love you. Uh-huh. He the, he stutters through, like, trying to cover up his, oh, I'm only two years old. And he settles on 22. But it, it, only after a lot of internal calculation. And I, I also loved his little face when he, when he settled on 22. He's like, yes, that. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Yeah, that. Final answer. I'm Final- buzzing that one in. Exactly. It was very Jeopardy. So, yeah. The scene rounds out with Stacy having finished ringing through all of his purchases and says that she needs ID for the beer. And again, perfect delivery of Alex here with Jack just going, ID? (laughs) It was good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Next scene. We have Dean and Sam and they are staying late at the sheriff's office doing research. And Sam is on his tablet and he throws out the word cojunta. And Dean goes, Gesundheit, but no, no, no. Like, 
we're looking at it. It's a local Native American legend. And this is where I start going, mm, okay, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But see, we, we have a POC sheriff. We have to bring him in somehow. I'm right? like, Adam Beach was fucking wasted in this episode. And I will fire off as many salt rounds as I need to about this. Because Aww. Adam Beach deserves so much more than like this little <laughs> like nonsensical role that they gave him of being this dad that's like defending what? Ugh. Yeah, what? <laughs> I got very passionate because Adam Beach is from like... He's from Manitoba, and oh, he's God. a soft Canadian boy, and he just doesn't get enough loving. He was in Suicide Squad, and I was so excited, and then he's, like, the fucking first one to die. Spoiler alert. And I'm like, <sighs> I have been telling myself that I need to rewatch Suicide Squad, because I really liked it, but... Um, I liked it, too. It gets a bad rap. A- a- Adam Beach being Sheriff Mason, right? Yes. <laughs> and he was Slipknot in Suicide Squad. Yeah, yeah, well... We have the Kahunta, which is uh, a, a creature that both eats humans and spits stomach acid. So that would explain the burns and the bites. Yeah. So we have at least an idea of what's causing these deaths. We cut to these two young adults walking through the forest and they're being kind of flirty with each other. And then we hear the whistling noise on the wind again. And the girl, Sarah, is now trying to comfort the guy that she's with. I think his name was Fitzy. Yeah. And she's the one that gets the line of, it's just the wind. Uh But it comes back again. And it's it's very obviously some sort of tune. Uh, and that's like, that ain't the win, honey. Yeah, again, I'm getting Hunger Game vibes of the... Wah, wah, wah. And then that makes it sound like the X-Files theme. Hmm. <laughs> it, uh, again, uh, on just these... If we were to take these monster scenes on a standalone, like, or, or look at them by themselves, this is, like, I think they're setting, they're doing good putting up this, like, really creepy atmosphere because yeah, we have- season one vibes. Yeah. We have this really eerie uh, whistle, whistling. It's like you were being hunted. And like you said, that's the kind of vibe that we're getting. And uh, Fitzy and what's the girl's name? Sarah. Sarah are looking around and Fitzy sees a figure. Like fro- this like real, again, super creepy. He's completely frozen. Yeah. This mossy human-esque shape in the distant woods. And Fritzy wants to head back and he sees this figure behind him. She yells when she sees it and she's shining the flashlight on this branch face. And he trips as they're running. It stands over him, dripping acid from its Aww, maw. Uh-huh. And then it lunges at him. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, R- Fritzy, you, you just, you trip and then you lay there. Even when he's being burned by the acid, he doesn't even move. He, like, nothing's holding you down, dude. Like, I don't know where he sits on the flight, fright, or fight uh-huh. instincts, but he really seems to be on the fright terrified but just 
that one little scene where we had the figure in the distance and he's completely like frozen and it's just this humanist figure and you're kind of like squinting at it like is it a tree or is it a person that Mm -hmm. you know that like creeping fear and then and then it moves its head and then it's like oh shit oh no 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 and it it takes like a single step forward it was a really good like tension moment Mm -hmm. and you know what i really wanted yeah i i just really wanted like the like slenderman it gave me a total like slenderman vibe because when fitzy turned around and saw the figure it it is in a pose like it was stalking towards these people and then it's just completely frozen oh don't phrase it that way that gives me a spookums (laughs) and and it's just like back away slowly without taking your eyes off of this creature Mm. or the second you look away it's gonna be on your back and i'm like oh so good horror like indie horror game vibes it was it was so good (laughs) (laughs) uh but yeah poor fitzy we it's morning now and we have sarah uh sitting in the back of an ambulance and not yet not yet no nope the scene that follows this we're at the sheriff's office and sheriff mason is looking through barbara wallace's case file and tom is there and he's reading about animal attacks and just trying to press for what they can do like did you know that once they get the taste of human flesh blah 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 and his dad tries telling him to stop and tom still wants to talk to barbara's parents he has to do something he says because it's a coyote right And then we see a deputy that comes in talking about a quote-unquote situation up at Big Creek. And Tom looks to his dad saying, it got somebody else, didn't it? And Mason doesn't really answer him, he just leaves. And now we go to Seb and Dean talking to Sarah sitting in the back of an ambulance. Yeah, but in that... uh in that one scene, in the sheriff scene, when uh, Tom said it, it was a coyote, right? We we do have Mason have a little, like, what he's thinking of is what he actually saw, which was that creature walking away into the woods. And then he kind of, like, shakes his head. Mason kind of shakes his head and says it was a coyote. But, um, I don't know. This scene just served to dispel all that oh, this this person's being really dodgy. Kind of all those vibes. I don't know. It's like, I thought, what I'm saying is, I mean, I thought that we were building up to like the sheriff knowing more than he let on, which I, I guess he did, but I, but... I felt like the scene was just trying to cement that Thomas is going down the wrong trail and his dad isn't stopping him. Yeah, yeah. And he said again, like, I want to talk to Barbara's parents and and, Tom, uh, and Mason says no. And I'm like, well, again, why? 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 Anyways. Yes. Sam and Dean are talking to Sarah sitting in the back of an ambulance. And there's a bunch of officials that are swarming the area nearby. They're up at that big creek state park. And she's asking, but nope, they haven't found Fitzy. So when Sam and Dean press her on it, she says that she saw a guy covered in something. And there was this whistling that was going on. And she gives an approximate location as being not far from the Parker cabin in the woods. 
And we did see, you know, a bit of this monster when Sarah is shown the flashlight on him. And he, like you said, he looks mossy. He looks gnarled and like... Like he, a beefy dryad is yeah. what I was always thinking. Yeah, yeah. Very, very like consumed by the forest kind of vibe. Which doesn't really make sense with what they tell us later, but whatever. Whatever. Well, salt round coming in later. Um, Sheriff Mason drives up and he pulls everybody and he just reels them all and says, we're done here. Pack up, go home. And he cites that we just, we're not wasting our time or money or our resources on what is an animal attack. But Sam argues, no, it wasn't an animal. And Dean counters in against what Mason's saying, saying, well, you can pull your men, but we're staying. And Mason insists that no one goes into the woods without his say-so, and he gets Sam and Dean to promise or agree to this, but we can tell they're lying. Right. And we go from there to the Smith place or the... the Stout place, yeah. Stout place, whatever. Uh, and and we have the baby gays studying for the SATs on the couch. And Stacy is studying with her legs across Max's lap and Max is on her phone. Uh-huh. And, and uh, Stacy is bemoaning her chances of getting a good score on the SAT and Max is kind of teasing her for it. And uh, <laughs> they, they're, they're very flirty and they're leaning in for a kiss and we get interrupted by Elliot across the room. He says, if you guys are going to kiss, uh, not while I'm here. And Elliot yeah, is, is, is basically get a room. Yeah, get a room. He's the he's the peanut gallery, and he is sitting in the like little dining room area. He's he's sitting at the table, and he's got this big blue bound hardcover book with a gold embossing that uh, says what what uh, says monsters, myth, and magic by Jerry Wanick on it. Uh huh. M- monsters, myth and magic and it's just this gold dragon with like on the front i'm like okay so what i'm saying is he went to the uh ya section at barnes and noble and bought a like fucking how to train your dragon book <laughs> it looks very harry potter-esque uh-huh. but jerry wanick again i apologize for butchering his last name but he's a producer and production designer on supernatural so they put his name on the front cover oh i thought this was a real book and i no. wanted to go see oh that's oh <laughs> fucking juked okay no, it's <laughs> the it's the wonderful set designers doing their little easter egg dressing uh-huh this book was just so funny for me because it was like totally something that I would have pulled off the library shelf when I was like 11 years old. But... <laughs> so yeah, at this point, Jack, he knocks on the door and he comes in with just a ton of books in hand and they're all on monsters and uh-huh. Elliot looks like Christmas just came early. <laughs> uh-huh. And... This next bit, I couldn't really get what Jack was looking at, but he comes into the room where Stacy and Max are sitting, and he looks around and he asks, what's that? And it looks like he is, his eye line is going towards something, but I couldn't for the life of me figure out what he was staring at. It was a Bluetooth speaker. 
Is that what that is? Yeah, it's what the music was. It was a, it was like a, it was a Bluetooth speaker, and it, it was kind of lit up with uh, some like you know the the kind of pulsing light music Bluetooth speaker. It, it, and and he looks at it and he says, "What's that?" And Max and Stacy share a look, and Max says, "Uh, music." And I feel like, and I feel like Jack just like lets it slide, and he says, "Oh well, uh, yeah, I like the Who." Um, mm-hmm. But but I I think that he was looking at the speaker, and it's like this Bluetooth speaker that's that's uh, sitting on a bookshelf, and you know the bunker doesn't have fucking Bluetooth speakers, Mister mm-hmm. Jack says. I like the Who, and Stacy says the Who, and Max says they're old, and then Jack comes back with Dean says that any music released past 1979 sucks ass, mm-hmm. and like he's reciting, and he's so proud of himself, um, and then and then uh, Max Max just... says yeah that's because he's old too. Oh, shots fucking fuck. Max is ruthless. I should uh-huh. say like. My final comment on her will be like she she doesn't seem to be kindly ribbing Jack. Like it seems like she has a little bit of disbelief and it's it's kind of a neutral to negative yeah. towards him. She's like she's she's kind of putting off this like early seasons Claire vibe. That, like, kind of antagonistic. Like, you're weird and I'm not going to cut you any slack for it. Yeah. And, and she also, she's also kind of posturing for her girlfriend, I would oh, yeah. say. I yeah. would think so, too. And and on the music, I mean, Max is like, it's music. But I, I think that what Jack was really asking is either, what is this Bluetooth speaker that is uh, this modern technology? Because all I have is vinyl. Yeah. Or... Or he was saying it was kind of a poppy synth kind yeah. of uh, song, and uh, and it was like, oh, what's this? I've never heard this radio, you know, top yeah, this genre. Before. Yeah, yeah, because I like the Who. <laughs> I liked the little the little glimpses into just how much of his perspective is shaped by Sam, Dean, and Cass. Like, yeah. Just how out of touch they are with teaching him to be in touch with the world, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, Max has a point when earlier in the supermarket, she was like, I mean, what, what is what does he do? He, he, he doesn't have anyone to hang out his own age and his entire life experiences are, you know, with these old, old to- spice men. <laughs> these old, old spice men. Yeah, exactly. And yes, Stacy's being a little bit warmer here. She's telling Jack to take a seat and he drops his book bag and asks about the book that she's holding, the SAT study guide. And he goes, what's the SAT? (laughs) And they're like, the SAT? I'm like, Jack is either Canadian or homeschooled. (laughs) Also like, what's the SAT? (laughs) I know enough of it because of American college movies, but... It's it high school. Is, wait, you, wait, you guys don't have standardized testing? We don't have an SAT or anything like that. It doesn't matter for university. You don't have like a... You you have a final for your classes. And then if your teacher's accredited, then you don't have to do the provincial final. But 
But there's no, like, score that you put on your college application? No, because your college is basically you would get your transcript and they just care if you have, like, a certain percentage. Yeah, well, here in the um, American schooling system, we have the SATs or the ACTs. And when, you, when you're, when you like, graduating high school, you have to submit your you know resume to your college and and the sat is the number that you point at and say hey look this is how smart i am it's like a fucking iq test because of course testing is all that matters this is just mystifying (laughs) but anyways uh and and like the sat everyone knows the sat be excluding so i'm like jack's canadian further proof (laughs) Uh, and, uh, and Max says, you were homeschooled, weren't you? And he says, yes, I was. <laughs> sure. Let's go with that. Yeah, sure. And, and my next note just says, Jack, don't be creepy. I'm so Aww. sad. <laughs> Elliot's flipping through the books and he finds this picture of a demon and he is asking Jack about it. And oh, do they look like this? And Jack clarifies, well, no, they look like smoke unless they have possessed someone and then they can look like anybody. They could look like you. It could look like me. And that's what kind of creeps Stacy out. Yeah, it's it's like so, so far, these are just high school kids, you know, and they were told they saw something unexplainable and they were told that the fucking cryptids of their hometown uh, hunt monsters, but they don't know anything about it. They Yeah, they, basically, it was unexplainable. Don't talk about it. Yeah, they're not part of the life or anything. And we have someone like Jack, who is an open book, who's coming in and exposing these, like, the dirty details of the, you know, monster underworld. And it's, it's, it's uh, something like, okay, this is a story, or this is something that I should actually fear in the world. Yeah. And I think that there's a little bit, I wouldn't say that he's doing it to show off, but I do think that he has some enthusiasm for the fact that these are things that he can answer. Like, here are questions he has answers for. Someone doesn't know, and he's so used to being in that position that he gets to see the other side of it, and he just approaches it with relish, because... Elliot's asking all of these questions and is sitting there honestly like a captive audience. And Jack, I think, is just a little bit enamored with this new feeling he's having. Yeah. It's like, it, friends? Is this friends? And and he doesn't think it's weird. You know, Mm-mm. the things that he's saying. He grew up just, you know, in the apocalypse world or in the hunter hub. He's relieved that he doesn't have to lie. Uh, but the entirety of his experience, experiences is something outside of what's normal. And he's just like the creepy fucking grew up in a cult kid. Mm-hmm. right now to these three teenagers yeah he looks about their age but he acts nothing like them yeah i feel so bad for him I'm yeah like, oh. but yeah yeah they ask jack about the demons and he admits not only has he seen them he's killed them before 
and Max kind of challenges him, asking how. And and then we we cut to outside where Jack is AV Club giving a presentation mm-hmm. on the Angel Blade. He has you know uh, uh, Elliot, Stacy, and Max are are looking to Jack, and Jack whips out a fucking short sword and. <laughs> And he says, this is an angel blade. You use it to kill demons and angels. <laughs> and and Elliot's excitedly approaching this, but Stacy tells him off and, like, keeps him back. And yeah. makes a little point to, you know, you almost killed yourself with a slinky. He's like, I was three years old. Like, I, it's not my fault I tried to eat it type thing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And you know what? This is, I actually looked on the Supernatural Wiki and Elliot is not like explicitly stated to be Stacy's brother. So I did make it up, but <gasps> I, but no, but no, but listen, like it this does is- have strong vibes of either children who grew up together or like childhood friends. I have a slightly younger little brother. This is exactly like the the, the, the dynamic. It's it tags along all the time and like God, Elliot, just stop being stop embarrassing. Don't me. be soa and bringing up the childhood stories. Like it's totally I, younger brother, definitely mm-hmm. the younger brother. Uh, just because we haven't yet thrown out a I'm gonna tell mom doesn't mm-hmm. mean that they're not siblings they're totally siblings I, I will stand when, by once it. you told me that I was 100% on board watching it with that in mind I was like this episode makes a lot of sense yeah yeah um but I mean okay I not not to get too real but so we have Jack here, the the new kid, and and we have Stacy, uh, who looks like super uncomfortable. I again, this is kind of like hashtag relatable because I think that we've all had that experience when you go over to a friend's house and the oh well you're Canadian, so maybe not, and they whip out their fucking like. Bowie knife or or crossbow, like <laughs> I'm sitting here with my jaws stretched wide. I'm like, no, it happens. It happens. You have that America. weird. It's America again. Not to get too real, too real here, but there's sometimes that that creepy kid who just gets a little too real for you. Want to see my knife? It's like, uh. yeah. Yeah, and you get and you get a little nervous, don't you? It makes me think of this one kid in my high school. I think it was grade ten class, and his name was Snake, and he <laughs> had a like safety pin through his ear type thing. And I think that he had it was the tiniest fucking pocket blade, but you know canada so we're like oh (laughs) and i my longest memory longest standing memory of him was vouching for him in industrial arts because he made a bong during the clay section (laughs) of it and we sat there we're like it's a bird feeder (laughs) (laughs) and he turned to me to vouch and i'm like no it's a bird feeder and like the teacher was very, very Baptist and very not happy with this. But I, oh. I, I grew up in the Deep South. We, you, you, you know, everyone has a dad or some weird uncle who has a gun collection. But there's always that one kid who really likes to talk about his family's gun collection. So 
Stacy's nervous here, and I'm sitting with Stacy here, which I hate because Jack. Jack. But this this scene is like really real. It's really uncomfortable, and I'm sitting with I, I'm sitting with Stacy as that like wariness is rising. Yeah, I don't know who I'm most relating in this moment, but I do like empathize with Jack's like. I have a skill and I'm able to show them and I'm getting really overzealous about this and I'm not able to read the room because, oh my God, I can think back to times when I was that person forgetting that, oh, this audience actually doesn't care about this thing that I'm really enthusiastic about. And then that sinking feeling that comes up. Oh my God. Anyways, not the show. Well, well, in the show, so we have Jack and 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 Elliot is like really excited, and he's like show us some moves, and even Max is sitting there with a like, uh, okay, that's cool. Um, uh, uh, Jack is like showing off his like fighter stances, and he. He tries to do like a throwing knife move where he yeah. wants to uh, uh, throw the the knife at this target of a tree that's in this backyard that they're standing in, and he misses, and, By and a it comically, mile. yeah, it comically clumps uh, hilt first into the fence behind the tree, and. And they all kind of laugh at him. And he's like, yeah, no, Max no, I especially snickers at him. Yeah, he's like, I can do it. I can do it. But we cut away there. Yeah, we're cutting back to Sam and Dean. It is now nighttime. It's the same spot that we saw in the opening scene with Thomas and Barbara. And this time the sign has uh-huh. closed over it. Um, Sam and Dean are out in the forest with guns and flashlights out. And... They are talking about Sheriff Mason saying he's either scared or he's hiding something. Yeah. And this is when Sam drops just a little tidbit like, hey, did you know Kahunta means the whistler? And Dean is asking, so how do we kill it? But the Lord doesn't say. Yeah. Yeah. So they're now not just operating off of a hunch. They have more evidence to support this Kahunta theory. So... Yeah, they're pretty sure that this is what they're hunting. And so now they hear a noise, so they stop and look around, and we get the camera angle happens in a fashion where we see this gun butted up to Dean's neck, and Sheriff Mason is telling them to drop their weapons, and so they do. And he is chastising Sam and Dean for not listening to him, and they name drop the Kahunta, but Mason says he doesn't know it, and they say that he's lying. Dean moves quickly to disarm him. Yeah, yeah. So they turn the tables on Sheriff Mason, and they know he's lying, and they're going to find out what he knows. Yeah. So then we cut back, and it's Jack still in the backyard. He's still trying to do the knife toss, but it's dark now. <laughs> and Max, Stacy, and Elliot are sitting in kind of lawn chairs, Muskoka chairs. And the girls are on their phone, and Elliot's still trying to be encouraging. You know, you can do it. But Max is bored. Stacy's not into it. And Jack is... At the point where, okay, physically trying to do this is no longer working. Let's bring my powers in. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He says, look, I can do it. Just watch. And his eyes flare gold. And he calls the knife back to himself. And uh, and then that gets their attention, right? Mm -hmm. And 
And then he tosses it uh, at the tree with a little boost of power and it sinks to the hilt into this this tree trunk. Yep, it's absolutely buried. And Elliot's like, whoa, are you a Jedi? And Uh Jack gets the reference, of course, our little Star Wars boy. He's Uh kind of, watch this. And so he once again retrieves the blade and he's using his powers to stop it midair. Max and Stacy sit up at attention at this and Jack makes it float around like the pencil. You know, he's kind of doing the ellipses. Ellipses? The infinity um, symbol. Yeah, he's doing his figure eight in the air. And then um, he gets more elaborate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They cut, because they're all standing now, and Max and Elliot are like, oh, my God, like, that's so cool. But Stacy looks freaked. She looks right freaked. Yeah, now. she's a lot more anxious, especially when Jack starts making it move in these large, quick arcs. It's just darting everywhere, this blade. Uh-huh. And so Stacy approaches, then she grabs Max's arm, and she's kind of curled up beside her and so max okay my girlfriend's freaking out she says to jack to cut it out but jack insists they're safe yeah he's like it's fine again he's kind of just like hey look at me this like like i can control it excited that he can do it yeah yeah excited that he can do it one part because he's you know trying to impress his friends and one part in that you know he 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 hasn't been using his powers it took him hours of trying to throw this knife at the tree before he got the satisfaction of using his powers to like okay Mm -hmm. like this is better i guess i mean he's been so afraid of his powers for so long and he's really taken the lid off of this and now the caps off he's just flowing with it because when he's saying that they're safe, he brings the flying angel blade even closer to them. And Stacy is gripping Max all the more tightly. And Max yells for him to stop. And even Elliot is concerned. Yeah. And it just gets to a breaking point for Stacy. This blade's zipping around. And so she tries to dart away. But she gets in the way of the blade and gets stabbed instead and collapses to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh yeah she's 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 crying and everyone's freaking out and max says call 911 and elliot does and jack is just yeah uh, he's in disbelief almost yeah he's sitting there saying like everything was fine and then he adds on you know she moved yeah and stacy's eyes close and jack is just insisting like i can fix this yeah. And he pulls the blade out of Stacy's body, and Max freaks out about this. Like, uh-huh. What the hell are you doing? But Jack keeps his proximity, and he uses his powers to heal Stacy. Yeah, yeah, and and he does heal her, and she lifts her shirt up, and that stab wound is gone. But yeah, the clothes are bloody and cut, but she's all right. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, she turns into Max and they're holding each other and both crying. And Elliot hangs up on the 911 call. But Jack is just saying, look, I fixed it. Yeah. And they say, go away. Yeah. Elliot's the one who stops Jack from approaching the girls and just says in this really terse, don't. And Jack is saying, but she's okay. Like, everything's fine, right? And they're just, no. And they back away from him. And Elliot's the one who says, I don't know what you are, but stay away. 
And yeah. Jack is left sad and standing alone in the backyard. It was like, it was so hard. This whole sequence of events was so hard to watch because it was so, it was, I don't even know how to describe what I was feeling. I was probably feeling, like I said, about what, what Stacy was feeling. <laughs> I Like, it just is taking me back to childhood when you and your friends are having what you think is fun and then someone gets hurt and you immediately heap the blame on yourself. You're like, oh my God, like I invited my friend over and I was the one who decided to play cops and robbers and it's my fault that they tripped over that tree branch because I decided like you start going down that train of thought where you put all accountability on yourself. And I don't know necessarily if Jack is 100% there because he's trying to say that, you know, there's nothing to worry about because it's all fine in the end. Like no one's dead. Yeah. Everyone's fine. But it just really speaks to that moment of everyone is happy-go-lucky until it's not and how quickly it can turn on that head and become something frightening and like nobody wants to play anymore. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That is a that is a great analogy. That's perfect. That's it's all fun and games until someone gets hurt and someone got hurt and Jack if it's his upbringing or if it's his soullessness that we still need to worry about. Mm-hmm. Um, but he just, he can't meet Elliot, Stacy, and Max on the severity of it. And, and it, he didn't read the room. No. And I do think it goes to this whole different worlds thing that he's sitting in. Because for Max, Stacy, and Elliot, they are in a world where the SATs are the big looming threat that's going on. And ghosts and demons and angels and all of these things are still relatively new concepts that I wouldn't think have sunk in in any useful fashion. Whereas Jack's scope of danger and things is like, yeah, one time I died and when I was in (laughs) heaven, the ethereal creature that maintains the nothingness that angels and demons go to came as essentially having a bounty on my soul. And so then we used magic to revive me. Like, how was your Tuesday? Oh my god, yeah. The scales are just not there. He's like, oh, you got stabbed? That's fine. We can fix that. Like... We don't even have to tap on your soul to do that. That's fine. (laughs) Whereas they're like, I got stabbed. My girlfriend got stabbed. My unofficial sister got stabbed. Uh Like, it's a huge fucking deal for them. And Jack just can't meet them on that level. Unverified sister. Yes. (laughs) Gotta be, though. Gotta be. I stand by it. (laughs) But but yeah, I I mean, Jack, uh, Jack, to his credit, I, I shouldn't say to his credit, but we're we're framing it like this, which is true. But also, he did seem genuinely distressed yes. when when Stacy got hurt. He he's approaching it in kind of a childish way. The blame and the it's okay, so it's okay now. Um, yeah, and like about the blame thing, I'm like honestly, she was the one who ran into the path, which doesn't make it her fault i mean don't cause blades to be flying through the air when your friends are telling you no uh yeah yeah i mean it it just it happened really fast but jack like you said doesn't understand why it's not okay but it's 
yeah it it really is just two different worlds their scale of experiences as you said is nowhere near on the same level sad jack stand yeah sad jack and they yeah jack just he He looks like a kicked puppy exactly exactly and through this whole again through this whole sequence of events it's so hard because you know you always want to stand with your protagonist yeah and like i'm immediately projecting childhood issues on there of like my friends abandoning me and all that kind of shit where i'm like oh my god poor baby whereas it's like no like if you are a bit more objective you can see why this is what happened yeah yeah but but i do like that this show challenges us to have our protagonists be in the wrong sometimes Mm -hmm. i do like when it's messy like yeah would not necessarily where it's obvious that your protagonist did wrong but just where you are able to raise the question and say like was what they did okay or like was there a problem yeah no because i think that if we're on some sliding scale jack does land in the wrong and it was it was so hard to watch but um again i like it when the show puts our protagonists in these gray areas and it's like you you can't just uh, ride or die your favorites Yeah. yeah you and I mean, like, like it or not, however this came to be, Jack still stabbed one of his new friends. Like, you yeah. do owe an apology there. It doesn't really matter whose fault it is. Yeah. But uh, Jack's is, Jack is not there yet. He's not understanding what's no. wrong. He still is a two-year-old. A 22-year-old. A twenty-two that anyways <laughs> um one more thing you seem to be landing firmly on the this whole situation was just birthed from uh jack's lack of worldly experience yeah. and and it is just a social disconnect but i was viewing it more as I should be worried about Jack's soul because he doesn't seem to be showing that necessary empathy to the characters, the the people that he just hurt. And can I and can he, I confess something? Yeah, I think that's what we're supposed to be doing, and I'm like, I don't do, <laughs> I can't do it. I don't see it. Well, I mean, I think that's what we're supposed to be doing. I do think that that's what we're supposed to be doing. But I also think that it would have worked just as well if we didn't have the soullessness question. Because, you know, he didn't do anything particularly cold. He did seem distressed when he stabbed Stacy. The only thing that read as off was him not reading the room. Which I feel like there's too much gray area to say it is because of soullessness or not. Right. I think that we're confounding that, like, social awkwardness with that soullessness in jack and it's like i don't know i think that we might be writing soullessness in jack incorrectly i yeah because i'm like not reading it at all and it could be just because i'm blinded by my own personal experience and knowing how difficult it can be to just not be able to read social cues and to struggle in environments like this because jack reads as someone who just doesn't have that intuition 
we'll see what kind of note we hit on this issue later in the season and see if this carries through. Yeah. I think I think you're right that they're trying to do some foundation of it there, but I'm like without any of the characters in the know about Jack's situation there to kind of give us a barometer of expectation. We're just relying on Stacy, Max, and Elliot, and they have no opinion about Jack's soullessness, and so no opinion gets brought in from my side, at least as a viewer. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. <sighs> okay. So <laughs> next scene. That was- that was Jack. Next scene. You Next may go scene. on. I won't interrupt. <laughs> no, I'm glad that we definitely hashed that out because there's definitely fertile ground there about just the questions that are sitting uh-huh. around Jack. But this next scene is Sam and Dean briefing Mason on the fact that they're hunters. They are here about the Kahunta. They spill what they know about it. And Mason says, well, I, I thought it was just a tribal legend, like an old story. I haven't heard it since I was a kid. But he saw it when Barbara was killed. And it's not a what, it's a who. He explains the legend that he knew, which is essentially that the Parker family was some of the first white settlers in the area, and they were at this cabin that was mentioned earlier with Sarah and Fitzy. And there was a hard winter, and the eldest son was the only one who survived, but he did it Donner Party style. (laughs) And he kind of went mad and went after um, Mason's tribe back in the day and killing this dude would be too easy on him and so they wanted him to suffer for his crimes and so he was cursed to roam the woods always starving and he has to feed or he would eat himself kahuntas aren't born they're made so he's a wendigo yeah he (laughs) is a wendigo dryad He's a Wendigo! Hey, <laughs> that's the whole story of Wendigos. They, they, they are cannibals who, by eating human flesh, they go mad with it. The more humans they eat, the more monstrous they become, and and then they become this like these these Wendigos. Which you know, season one we had this forest monster taking hikers off the trail, Wendigo lived in a cave i just sit here clawing my face and i'm like because the wendigo i have such a problem with it being included in the supernatural universe i oh really yeah because anytime that you are grabbing like the wendigo isn't like a vampire or a werewolf or something like that like it is a very personal very spiritual tale that belongs to the first nations tribes that tell it and so for it to just be brought in as a creature and a monster of the week i'm just like ooh, bad vibes anytime it comes up and here we're just making shit up well we we've changed the name it's the same verse repeat as the first uh-huh because I I remember looking up and I couldn't find anything about Kahunta. And so I feel like they're like, we still want to do 
are cribbing off of the First Nation spirituality, but we don't want to get in trouble for it. And so we're just going to copy paste shit. I just, I, honestly, I don't even think that they fucking, I am I was really surprised that they didn't do a bit of lampshading on So It's a Wendigo. I just think that they fucking forgot their canon. I feel like it's been long enough from season one that there has been some bite back about the fact that they used it, and I feel like the same verse repeat as the first. <laughs> so they have, they showed this little clip of, you know, Henry Parker and his punishment uh, of this, of this curse. And we saw the, um, Native American people uh, cursing him and his like transformation into this monster. And uh, what Mason says is he must feed or else his body will consume itself from the inside out. I'm like, he looks like he's being, he looks like a forest monster, right? Like, not even your story doesn't even match up with your fucking makeup. For for the monster. This decision to make it look like it's like, where did it come from? What was the foundation? I just think that they should have son- done some sort of like twisted forest spirit because that's what it looks like. It looks like a twisted forest spirit. And I love the look of this monster. Like really cool bodysuit, really cool prosthetic, you know, faces and whatever. Um, but it didn't connect with them with the story of the monster at all, and I'm just like, why? Yeah. I'm I confused. I think it's I think it's because there there's something called a Kaloa, which belongs to the Muscogee people, and it is kind of a Bigfoot esque, like this this dude that is large and covered in hair, and we uh-huh. go, okay, so now this dude is in the fort. I say dude, this legendary creature lives in the forest if we're going to crib our notes off of the koloa which is again a man eating legendary creature um then okay he's been in the forest we'll make him look mossy on top uh-huh. of harry i don't know yeah I, I i didn't like the story i did kind of like the monster if that makes sense yeah i i'm like the blanket statement of native american is offensive just like inspired by first nations people is i i just I agree whenever the show goes to that place yeah yeah i mean we had a brief talk about how we take these demigods and make them monsters of the week like uh, fucking zeus and artemis and osiris and Kali, mm-hmm. and then and then make them these villainous like monsters and like these are religions yes that's fine yeah we kind of touched base on it when anubis showed up in the episode where jack died and yeah. yeah it just it enters into kind of a bad vibes area but i mean for a show that's like <laughs> we're going to introduce the devil in season four oh. and god in season 11 and <laughs> you're right yeah i mean they're like we have offense for you we have offense for you we're offending <laughs> everyone <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh, grimace okay it's fine it's fine we're, yeah we're moving okay so this kohonta bound to the forest 
people have forgotten about it and they just come into the forest and now they're getting fucked. And we get into what I feel like is trying to be the thesis statement for this episode, which Uh is Sheriff Mason arguing with Sam and Dean about people's right to know about these sorts of things. And it's such a weird, weird argument that's happening here. What? Really? You think so? I think this is like, I think it's fucking crazy that we've gone 15 years and this argument hasn't been made before. I'm saying it's weird. Okay, because let's look at the character perspectives that have happened here. So we have Sheriff Mason, who spent this episode hiding shit from his son. Okay? Uh Like, that's been his defining trait with his family. Uh We have Dean, who, as far as I could tell, he's kind of the, the, I'll say either side I need to in this conversation. And then Uh we have Sam, who is saying that they don't deserve to know because people die even if, like, knowledge doesn't equal ability to fight, and so... People will well, die. We, we haven't we haven't yet even said what Mason said. Yeah. So sorry, I'm just I'm saying I'm like this is a fucked conversation. <laughs> well, well, Mason says in response to Sam and Dean giving them the monster rundown, he says, "So these m- monsters are out in the world, and uh, we, the people, are completely oblivious. If these monsters are real, then why don't you tell people?" And Dean comes back with, well, you know, you tell people and they don't believe it until they see it. And Mason says, take a video and put it on YouTube. If people knew, then we could protect ourselves. Like, mm-hmm. like think of all the people you could save. And then Dean says, uh, you know, it's not always a good idea that people know. And, and that's when Sam comes in to say it doesn't matter even if you know how to fight even if you well, what Dean was saying was um it's not always good to let everyone know because then people are just living in fear and they you know not everyone is going to be able to protect themselves and Mason is basically saying just give us a chance at least yeah, give us a how chance how can you get to decide yeah, and that's something that you get to decide for all of us that that we can't protect ourselves. And Sam, that's when Sam breaks. And he's kind of been like he's got his serious face on. He's been silent this whole conversation. And he's got this serious face on. And when Mason says that, then that's when Sam breaks and he says, "It doesn't matter if you can fight." you will still die if people if you know if you are in this life then you will die people die even when they know how to fight yeah and he's obviously thinking about the hunters yeah he just lost uh to michael and you know i mean the hunter life is a difficult life if you do know then then it you know we have seen again and again people who have learned of the supernatural and then thrown themselves into danger to hunt these things and on the one hand it's like when you do learn the truth it's hard to turn away from it because there are so few people who know and if you can do that bit of good then you should but on the other it's like to know of the supernatural it just it 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 uh, lol of well, I was going to say law, law of large numbers, but that's not what that means. Uh, <laughs> statistically, it doesn't turn out well, does it? 
And I do think it is that once you know about it, it's like, well, I either do nothing about it and feel defenseless, or I now dedicate my life to the cause that comes with it. But you know what this makes me think of? It makes me think of um, that one episode in season 13. It was a one-off episode about this monster underground this monster black market of internet auctions that auctioned off like yeah. food and by food i mean people for these monsters who are supposedly pervasive in the world your world the civilian world like your neighbor could be a werewolf who's just getting their hearts fucking blue apron to their front door <laughs> and 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 we we drop this bomb where this guy says this auctioneer says you think there's hundreds of us you think you're fighting the good fight there's a few dozen of you and there's thousands mm-hmm. tens of thousands of us yeah that was season 13 episode 11 breakdown yeah, yeah. And we are smarter than you. And the the ones that you catch are the ones that aren't smart enough to use this scheme. N- just not get caught. Like, we have all these wolves in our sheep herd. And you, the hunters, don't know the half of it. And I take that and let's take that sentiment and slot it into this conversation here where Mason is saying, if we knew we could protect ourselves, we would know how to protect ourselves. And I'm like, I'm saying with Mason on this. This is, this is, and, and also I think it's super interesting that this is something that has come up now twice in this season where uh, with uh, the mid-season finale, the spear and Michael with Kansas City and and he did his Thanos snap and we came off of it like holy shit did we just expose the supernatural to the world mm-hmm. to this world mm-hmm. and now this where we're for the first time in 14 seasons we have a civilian coming to Sam and Dean to say why are you keeping this to our to yourselves I'm I'm standing here with the same question. I I'm like the conversation itself is interesting. The dynamics that they have assigned to each character is confusing as hell. Oh 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 oh! Absolutely, I'm gonna have thoughts about Sam for fucking days at the at the at the last scene of this episode. Yeah, it's bad, but <laughs> but but let's let's not think about the conversation itself. Let's talk, let's talk about um, what they're saying. Let's talk about what they're saying no, here. No, because the structure that the, what they're saying is given to us, I'm like it just. You start hitting bad harmonics with this versus that next scene that we haven't talked about yet with Sam and Dean in it. Like, the fact that you have had Mason being a character who has kept the truth away from his son, and then you have him without any sense of self-reflection that he's not being honest, he's not giving his son the full arsenal that he can use to protect himself and i don't i just i can't i don't know you know what you can tell me this 
five minutes from now when we when we end the scene because where we are now it's that mason he says to sam and dean like i saw something strange but i don't know what i saw and it's it's crazy it's fucking crazy but he keeps on going coyote 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 because he's a civilian he doesn't know he thinks that he's fucking crazy he's seen a man oh no no we're gonna get into it not right he he is he well you're right in that he is lying to try to protect both his community by you know shooing everyone away and closing down the state park and then he goes out later that night to try to hunt down the thing that he thinks he saw Mm -hmm. and to his son you know and on the same vein he's lying to his son because uh, and endangering his son (laughs) He he's not endangering his son yet because he doesn't know that his son is going to fucking pull up a fucking shotgun. Well, talk about a segue. We have a segue right here because (laughs) Tom calls him and says he's going to find out what's out there and kill it. And he hangs up on his dad and he gets out of his car and he's again at that Big Creek sign that we've seen Uh with a rifle and he heads into the woods where we can hear a whistle fucking on the wind. Yeah, yeah, yep, and and we have a commercial break there, but we come back to uh Mason just frantic. He- yes, he knows that he lied to his son with the coyote line, yeah. and so Sam and Dean says that they'll help him find his son. Sam asks him, "Well, how do we kill this?" And so Mason says, "Well, legend says silver blade through the heart." Uh huh. Uh huh. And and Tom. Tom, who fucking stalks off into the woods with a a shotgun and a a Walmart bag full of fucking raw steaks, apparently. Yeah, because he's just tossing (laughs) T-bones. Tom is in the woods and he's putting down these raw steaks. Like, here, kitty, kitty, kitty. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, And and it's the middle of the night. Tom, you decided you're going to go out and find this fucking rabbit coyote in the middle of the fucking night? You're going to go hunting? Is it fucking rabbit season? You're going like- to get rabies. Like, <laughs> but-, <laughs> but he is going through the woods and he is throwing raw steaks around and he approaches the Parker cabin. Yes. And he is tentatively going up the front steps of it. And as the viewer, we can see that outside of this cabin behind him is the Kohunta. And when he gets to the top step, the Kohunta awakens and it sounds like snapping branches. Again, it's like a fucking forest nymph. And I'm so mad that we just have it as he looks that way because he looks like a fucking nuclear waste monster. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just mad at the lore. Yeah, I'm like, if you want to make it look like a dryad, just make it a dryad. I, again, love the monster, hate the lore, but it's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we do a really quick scene of Sam, Dean, and Mason running, and Mason's yelling for Thomas, but back with Thomas, we see him get tossed through the cabin door, and when yeah. it, through the cabin door, I mean physically through the wood <laughs> of the cabin door. He is knocked out cold. Yeah, yeah. And this, this monster, like, this thing is fucking creepy. It's standing... It's so season one. It's so season yes. one. Because it like fucking stop motions crawls up to Tom. It's so fucking creepy. It's good. But yeah. Yeah. 
and he's ready to go in for the killing bite uh, when, ta-da! Yes, Sheriff Mason busts in and he starts fighting. Dean is hot on his trail. He gets Tom out, does a fireman's carry out the door. And Sam also comes in while Mason's struggling and Mason's just about to get bit on the shoulder the same way that Barbara was. Um, Sam starts firing his gun, but there's little to no effect. And the blade, the silver blade that they have gets knocked aside and kind of skids along the floor. Yeah. Dean ushers Mason outside and he shines a flashlight onto the Kohunta to get its attention. It is doing its growly snarly thing coming <laughs> after him and he draws it out through the cabin door where Mason is at the ready with the silver blade and stabs it in the chest. And it yep. melts into a pile of steaming goo <laughs> green acid. Remy, how did you feel? <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's that nuclear waste yeah. that I was talking about before. I'm like, what? 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 <laughs> Just let it be a nuclear reactor monster. Like <laughs> this thing this this thing is all over the place. It, Dean a- puts the nose on it as being, well, it's full-on raiders. Seriously? Like, as soon as it started melting, I was like, oh my god, I need a pop culture reference for this. What am I going to write down in my notes? What am I- what? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I couldn't pull one, and then Dean gave me one himself, so I was mm-hmm. like, oh. We went full-on raiders, and god, this thing just melts to death. On its own stomach acid, I think, yeah. is the impression we're supposed to get. I mean, I, I guess the it's uh, what Mason said was his body will consume itself and his stomach acid is Yeah, if he doesn't eat and... others, he'll eat himself. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, so I guess he melts when he's dead, but sap through the heart. Yeah. Um, Mason is checking on his son. Tom is alive. Sam and Dean exchange relieved looks, and that's yeah. kind of the last beat that we have in this scene. <laughs> yes, yes. So, that's the end of this scene, and... Yes. We follow up right away with Tom loaded up on a paramedic's gurney, and Mason is following him, and Tom is asking, did you get it, the coyote? <laughs> Aww, he... Aww. I did. I did appreciate that. Um, as we were loading him into the ambulance bay, he's like, we see that his injury is like in the ribs, and I'm like, okay, so we have some consistency there. He's mm-hmm. he, that was a pretty good like fucking mule kick to the ribs. So, oh, see, I wasn't even paying attention that closely. So I'm glad that you pointed that out. <laughs> but but uh, Tom's like. He's still believing the lie. He didn't like, see anything. What a sweet summer child sitting there thinking, <laughs> oh, a coyote would do this. <laughs> Maybe he just didn't want to know. The coyote drop kicked me through a door. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, Mason just kind of nods and gives him a little pat on the shoulder and lets them take him away. Yeah. And Sam and Dean point out that Mason himself is still looking a little rough. They're like, are you sure you don't need an ambulance? And Mason takes this moment to kind of be introspective. He's saying he's unsure what to tell his son. What he said was, I just couldn't, I just didn't know what to tell him. And, oh, I think that's exactly what you said. But, (laughs) but, but, but I interrupted because... Because here is where you can say, but the narrative is just so inconsistent. 
I could say it earlier. <laughs> you couldn't well, fucking now, stop me. Now is where Mason, I can be with you in that Mason is in is is you know keeping the truth from he was all high and mighty he could stand on his pedestal earlier and say we should know the people should know but when the time came he could he didn't tell his son the truth he didn't reveal like I, the monsters of the world mm, to his i wouldn't son. say that mason's being inconsistent here i feel like that follows because the whole argument sam and dean were giving to mason was it's more complicated than you think like complicate right. your analysis and mason's like oh shit it is more complicated but then sam's the motherfucker who does the about yeah. face yeah yeah sam's the motherfucker who says you should tell him the truth he deserves to know he's your son he deserves to know and and this line he's your son he deserves to know and then mason just kind of nods and walks away and then we go to the impala broomant it's full yep. dark they are right they are on the way home and it's your son. He deserves to know the truth. Uh, we have Sam. Like, why did you lie to Jack? Dean's just unsure that telling Tom was the right thing to do. And quick, let's drop this metaphor onto Jack. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It doesn't make his life better. And when in doubt, lie is what Dean says. Yeah. And Sam is immediately kind of high horse like you did with Jack. And Dean says, I took care of it. We took care of it. But Sam is just having no onus placed on him about this. He disagreed with lying to Jack about it. And even though Jack said he was fine with not going on this case, Sam points out that they lied all the time as kids to their dad just so that John wouldn't worry or they lied to make him happy. And that seems to be the button he needs to push to bring Dean over to his side. Yeah, yeah. But... Here is, like you said, when Sam does his, the, the Mason scene and the scene in the Impala is where Sam does it a complete about face. Yeah. Like, why are you lying to Jack? In the first scene, uh, the bunker scene at the beginning of this episode, when Sam and Dean were telling Jack that they were going off on a hunt and Sam was going to tell Jack why they weren't bringing him along, but Dean cut him off and lied. And then in the forest, Sam says, no, we shouldn't tell people because we're bringing in like the hunter feels, I guess. But then in the Impala, we're right on back. We're right back on Jack Except that Sam is completely, like, flip-flopping on this, yeah. and it's just inconsistent, and it's bad. And I sit there, I'm like, Dean was right to lie to Jack, because think of how it would have played out otherwise. Like, Sam and Dean approach Jack in the library, and they're like, hey, we're going on a case, and we don't want to come with you because we're concerned that you don't have control of your powers, and we want you to figure that shit out. Okay, love you, bye! And, like, leave Jack with that on his shoulders? Because you guys weren't going to sit there and help him process this shit. You guys were straight up like, we have something that we got to do, and we are concerned about bringing Jack because it may turn out to be a lie liability so we have to deal with that later i'm sorry i sit there i'm like dean was right to give this white lie to jack and then when they're home and able to process it properly tell him the truth right because we we come i didn't think about it like that how what dean was saying in the car was you know what telling him isn't gonna make his life any better uh mm -hmm. talking about tom 
I don't know. Well, we have we go from the car to Sam and Dean coming back home, and they're in the bunker, and Jack is pretty much right where they left him. He's in the library yep. reading. He's slipping through the books, and he can hear the main doors, and Sam and Dean step in, announcing their return. Jack asks how it went, and Dean says the hunt was disgusting. <laughs> and Jack says that he got all the supplies except the beer. He didn't have an ID. And Dean's like, what are you talking yeah. about? You have tons of IDs. And Jack says, they're not real. They're not... Those are illegal. Yeah, they're fake, dude. <laughs> and you could just see Dean's like, oh my god. Like Again, <laughs> I'm like affirming his decision to not tell the truth here. But, but Sam and Dean have definitely reached some sort of understanding on the drive home because Sam says, Jack, we need to tell you something. Yeah. Sam takes a seat. Yeah. He's trying to get, like, you can see Sam's expecting to be the one that has to broach this subject. And it kind of takes him aback when Dean's the one who admits that they didn't invite Jack along on the case because they don't want Jack using his powers yeah. And Sam amends saying, well, not yet. You just got them back, so get comfy with them first, and then we'll see how it goes. Yeah. They're, again, open and honest communication. This is more open and honest communication than we have ever seen, like, fucking ever in Fuck this yeah. show. Fuck yeah. And it's so good. Dean follows this up by saying it was crappy of them not to tell Jack in the first place. They tried to be nice because they care about him, but he deserves the truth. And uh, again, I'm like, whomst is this saying this? Is this uh -huh. Dinothy? Dinothy Winchester <laughs> is saying that it was crappy to lie, but they care about like, I'm like, mm, yeah, I'm rebooting. Uh, in a good way. Yeah, in a no, good way. But like, it definitely, like, I blue screened there for a second and I was like, whomst? <laughs> And uh, Jack has just been listening, really. And Sam says, do you understand? You know, he's asking, do you understand why we don't want you to use your powers? Do you understand why we want to approach this whole thing with caution? It's just a lot. And Jack says, yes, I understand. And he gives a nod. And he says he won't use his powers without permission and promise. Yeah. Yeah. So Dean says... Okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to get us our beer because uh -huh. that didn't happen. Apparently, I have to go get beer. Yeah. Ugh. And Sam has just this moment with Jack alone. And he asks if anything happened while they were out. But Jack says, no, nothing. Yep. <laughs> Sam, Sam says, good. And he leaves. And Jack looks a little like he needs to burp but can't. That's exactly what I was going to say. I, I was going to say, Jack says, no, nothing happened. Just a normal weekend. And and I'm like, damn, Jack, you are lying a bit easier now than you were before, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, but he still looks like indigestion is hitting him. Like, uh-huh. It goes back to that question of like, were we supposed to take from this uh, doubt about Jack's soul state? And I still sit here being like, nah, like the kid seems fine. Because even in this scene, you can see that there is a level of regret, but he did a lot of growing up today. And part of that includes this new ability to lie because he knows if he tells them, like, it goes to that question, will it make their life better? Yeah, yeah. 
I love that you're saying that because I know that the times that I've watched this episode, because the narrative is telling me worry about Jack's soul, I was looking at it as, oh, I'm worried about Jack's soul. But when you really look at it outside of that, it it doesn't, it, the, those puzzle pieces don't really fit. The soullessness doesn't really slot into place there. Yeah, I I feel the most connected to those questions about Jack's soul when we have a character in the know about his soul status they're observing because then you are able to connect with their fears and doubts. Like we uh-huh. saw at the end of last episode where Cass was observing Jack with Felix and yeah. how he smoked out Felix and you could connect with Cass's fear there. And the doubts that are raised upon seeing that. Whereas in this episode, we have Stacy, Max, and Elliot giving off strong vibes of this is a weird kid who just hasn't been socialized. We have a bit Uh of a feral animal in our midst, but we think that it can be domesticated. And And unfortunately, he blows the audition. Yeah. And... I I just can't sit here and put really any fault onto Jack because you can be in that place and just not connect socially. Like the, the Rubik's cube is there and you just can't slot the pieces the right way. Even if someone else is sitting there doing it in five seconds flat, like, and that's not a failure to Jack. It's just a completely different upbringing that I feel like this episode was highlighting as opposed to Jack is soulless and can't be around normal people without stabbing them. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot better. Unfortunately, though, I think that, as you said, what the narrative is trying to guide us to is to look at this episode like, ooh, Jack's soulless. But <sighs> I don't... Or maybe that's not what you're saying. Well, but- no, I I just guess that... I'm not connecting on that level at all. And no, not to I, say I, that nobody can't, but it just if that's what they were going for, it fell flat for me. I like yours better. I think I think it fits a lot better. And it's also very like defend Jack from bad opinions. But But as I said, we can't defend Jack wholly here because he did it because you know we for me i do stand more with stacy elliot and max on this on how it all broke i mean i stand more with them on their reactions and i empathize more with them than i can with jack because jack fucked up yeah that's fair and I I guess I can sit more with Jack's perspective, but still absolutely acknowledge he has accountability here. And we get a real sense of the gap between him knowing what to do in a situation and knowing how to f- own up to his mistake here. He still is very defensive and like these are the f- critiques, these are the failures we're seeing of his character. Yeah. Uh B, we never disagree. This is. <laughs> Are you kidding me? We don't. What do you mean? No, we never. We. This is. This is. I feel like this is novel. We never disagree <laughs> so wholly on an issue. I don't even know if we're disagreeing as so much as we're seeing different perspectives. And it's like, here's uh-huh. a couple puzzle pieces. Like, let's look at them from different angles rather than <laughs> here's one piece. Yeah. Well, is that. Is, uh, 
Is that your takeaway? (laughs) I could spend another 20 minutes talking about how frustrated I was with the format we got of the conversation between Mason, Dean, and Sam, and just the ping pong back and forth of their opinions between when do people deserve to know things? Do people need to deserve to know things? Or is the truth something that should be shared? Like there was just, there wasn't a clear through line for these characters where we could see them developing in an arc. It was feeling very flip floppy. I I agree. I think that this conversation is really where like the character stances broke bad for me. Mm-hmm. Like there was no there was no consistency in the characters through this through this episode. No, it felt like the points that were needing to hit were hit, but to get there, it was through whatever means necessary rather than what makes sense for the character. But my final takeaway, I'm taking away this same conversation, the the content Mm -hmm. of this conversation, in that we are bringing up again that we should tell the world about about the monsters and i i don't think that we will or i don't know what that would even look like i'm i'm also not going to dive back into the same rant that i gave you 15 minutes ago but it was just so interesting to me yeah i mean this is something that i super like I don't know. It's just so engaging. Like, oh, shit. Because it's so big. We haven't really done it on the rewatch yet because these are episodes we're watching for the second or third time. But I think as we move into season 15, we get into these opportunities that you're bringing up where we sit down and we speculate, you know, if this were to happen, like the what ifs, what is the ramification on the world that we have? Like, what does this one element give us contextually? Now bring it out into the greater world and think about what it means if that was something to take place. We've gone 14 seasons without any person saying, well, why don't you tell people? Why don't you expose this to the world? And I don't know that it means anything because it could have been just a monster of the week conversation. And a plot device to like give Sam some feels about the hunters Mm -hmm. that he lost. And then to bring up these like feelings about secrets and to tie back into this thread of secrets and how secrets are bad and back to Jack you know the thing that I don't like about this conversation on your point is that this conversation was trying to do two things at once it was like the reason Sam flip flopped it was like he's thinking about the hunters but the point of the conversation within the plot was we're bringing it back into secrets for Jack I guess um, well, secrets in the family will tell us apart. Yeah, secrets in the family. He's your son. He deserves to know that kind of thing. Yeah, but but and if they had just done that, it would have worked. But isn't it fun to speculate? Isn't it fun? It's so to fun th- to grab this conversation and think. What are they trying to tell us? It was just such a shock to bring something so big out in this conversation which is why don't you tell people 
And I do agree with you that it made me think back to the season 13, episode 11 breakdown with knowing that the supernatural world is so close to the surface of the real world. And like, will we ever in this last 20 episodes of the show break the film on that bubble and merge the two? Yeah, yeah. And what is the right, and it's the big question of what is the right thing to do? I wonder if they will pull a Buffy and be like, everybody's a slayer. I don't know, Buffy, but if they did that, then that is fucking bold. And Mm -hmm. I would, I don't know where I fall on the line of I want to see it or I don't want to see it. Because it's, it's so fucking game changing. Yeah. You wouldn't have the same verse afterwards. The universe will have changed. But how do we wrap it up? How how do we wrap it up? Do we just drop an episode? Dean with Rocky's bar. But what the Sam with the the men of letters bunker. What is the forever after? And and I and I agree that I agree that what I want is Rocky's bar and Sam as the men of letters. Bobby in the bunker, but this is supernatural, and they will go big. They will they or won't they? I don't know. Again, again, we're getting closer to the end of season fourteen, so I feel like every episode I'm going to be giving this disclaimer. But this is not our season fifteen speculation episode. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I just found this conversation like. Whoa, I, I like lean back in my chair. I'm like, whoa, did we just did we just do that? Like, are we actually asking this question in some sort of seriousness? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was super cool. It was just super cool. That's my yeah, takeaway. It's really thought provoking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My takeaway. What's my takeaway? Oh, I thought your I thought your your conversation with Mason was the takeaway. But No. <laughs> No, I misunderstood. It's okay. I think my takeaway just falls on Jack. And he is, I mean, on the surface, he's such a simple character. And yet there is a real complexity that we're observing. Like he really comes in as a social outsider. He doesn't fit in neatly with the hunter world. He certainly doesn't fit in with the civilian world. And yet he doesn't approach these as he doesn't have any anxiety about it or it's not a burden to him. He just comes into these moments and he is trying to make the best of it and really still being himself because being anything else is so uncomfortable for him. Like he says lying just... (laughs) That burp that will never be belched. And this whole episode, we got to have Jack in not necessarily a positive light, but also to see him for the character that he is, which is this really young outsider that is still learning in so many ways and has these imperfect teachers guiding him that he idolizes. Like, you hear him. He is following Dean's music tastes. He knows Lost Boys back to back at this point. What would the Winchesters do? Yeah. 
that these are the people that he's learning from and it doesn't necessarily help him fit into the world any better, but he has still thrown his lot in with them wholeheartedly and I guess is unflinching in the difficulties that brings him when he brushes up against the real world, quote unquote. I just really liked the complexity that we got from Jack, even though on a superficial level, it was a pretty straightforward storyline for him, I guess. Yeah, yeah. We had a lot to say about Jack. Um, B, I'm screaming inside. Why? I I have Do you literal, have to go pee? Like, no! I have... <laughs> I... Um, I have tears in my eyes, like, trying to hold myself back from <laughs> fucking losing it because, because I just gave a fucking 10-minute dissertation on, oh, it's so cool that we brought up on a throwaway this, uh, what would it mean if the people knew? And I totally missed that Jack's entire B-plot was, what would it mean if people mm-hmm. knew? Like, he is oh my the God. living experience of that conversation. Mason going, why don't you tell the people? And Sam and Dean, like, Dean going, knowledge isn't the same as being able to fight. I, we have Stacy, Max, and Elliot, who are just these people, these civilians who know but don't know you know yeah they they they're open to it but but they have the second that jack starts describing the reality of it these demons in, in demons yeah um you know, it's it's all fun and games until someone gets hurt. Elliot is watching fucking Ghost Facers, and this is so cool. And then Jack starts talking about demons, and again, the reality of it, and it all just starts to get real with... Yeah. <sighs> oh my god. And Jack thinks that he has, like, an audience, and, like, he does have an audience that is interested to varying degrees. Like, Elliot is very much on the spectrum of, like, give me all the knowledge. And yeah. Max is on the scale of this shit's weird. And Stacy's on the more anxious of the knowledge that she's getting. But This is dangerous. Yeah. <sighs> and we have this mason conversation with why don't you just tell people and then you have mason who says it's it's more complicated than it seems i couldn't just tell my son the truth because it is life-changing and we have jack who is with these people who are being exposed to the reality of things and it's fucking messy and it's dangerous and people get hurt And if you look at what they, like, from their perspective this episode, they went from talking about, oh, yeah, uh, ghouls, demons, vampires, they're all real. And then they go to more specifics about demons. And, oh, yeah, they can possess your family and friends and you won't know. You just have to kill them. And then they go to Jack is some sort of supernatural creature. 
And so they, their knowledge base is going through the scales really rapidly in this episode. But we can see as they approach into that, oh, its proximity is growing closer and closer to me. The discomfort ratches up and it stops being fun and they just want it out of their lives. I, I, fe- I now, after this episode, after this No Chick Flick Moments talk i now feel like i've missed 85 percent of the nuance of this episode i <laughs> i'm like you're we're we're in the final takeaways and we're like oh 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 that's what it's about that's what it's all about and the lie and, and i didn't even realize that the lying thing like, went into Remy, jack. i always have to like let's go back let's go back let's go back no i mean even, we, even we're not but like when you were saying that jack and how he feels about lying and how he felt about you know being able to contribute and take the stage as it were this whole episode is about the complications inherent in i'm I'm like, is Jack the B plot or is he more the A plot? I know. I... Oh my god. Oh my god. What did we do? What did you do? <laughs> what did we just uncover? <laughs> Suddenly this episode has ratcheted up so many notches on my scale. <laughs> so so that was that. <laughs> yeah, so that was season 14, episode 16, Don't Go Into the Woods. Don't think I'm about the like... woods. Don't, Don't think about the <laughs> metaphors of the West. I'm so like I, I have my, I'm literal hair pulling. <laughs> I'm just a my hands are like in my a hair. fish out of water. What have we done? What have we done? Okay, so that was fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be shell shocked for a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> guys, we 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 did a whoopsie. <laughs> we did a whoopsie, but. <laughs> <laughs> that was into the woods. Oh, oh my god! I fucking love this show. Oh, I love being able to sit down and talk with you about it because holy shit! Like, had we not had this conversation, I would be like, eh, it was like a B episode. You could skip it, and it I was, was like, okay. no. Oh, no. this was a yeah. This I just went from this was an episode that I saw to oh my yeah. god this was a great episode. I'm like going to have to create a little edit for the very front and be like, "Listen, I know I said this, but it was a lie." <laughs> it's all a lie. Oh my god. So, so guys, we had obviously we had a lot of fun and a fucking we- roller coaster surprise at the end there. <laughs> Right, right. We had a little splash mountain at the end there, but (laughs) that was episode 16, and next week, next week we will be covering uh, season 14, episode 17, Game Night. Oh, the beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. Only three more episodes left. Or no, four. It'll be four. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We're uh, on the home stretch, uh, which I'm sure I will repeat that phrase for the next four episodes. It's, it's, It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So... Yeah, yeah, but um, we hope you enjoyed yourselves, and you can hit us up on Tumblr or Twitter. On Tumblr, it's No Chick Flick Podcast. On Twitter, it's No Chick Flick Pod. You can email us at nochickflickpodcast at gmail.com. But 
at nochickflickpodcast.com. You can also comment uh, on our uh, website forum. And you should go to whatever, wherever you get your podcasts, be it Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, and like, subscribe, review. We uh, really appreciate it. And it helps to get the word out on our podcast. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's us. So... Thank you guys again for joining in on our analysis, and we really hope you enjoyed it, and we hope you tune in next week. Yeah, yeah. See you guys next week. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.